this is what the movie made me think that that's the scariest movie I've ever seen. And, and yeah, I've seen we some both pretty agreed. bad movies. It was, yeah. We didn't bring so, enough tissues. Right. So basically what they said was the drug dealers, you can sell one bag of cocaine mm -hmm. once, but you can sell a child five to 15 times a day for the yes. same amount of money. Welcome to the Elite View Podcast, where we explore the fabulous, extraordinary world of the people who move the needle of success. Join our host, Tiffany, and producer, Kyle, as we dive into the stories and insights of the elite few who are making a difference and pushing the boundaries of what's possible. Let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Elite Few Podcast. I'm Kyle Goodnight, your co-host and producer. And of course, this is Tiffany Feeney, our Hi, host. Hi, everybody. Um, one of the things that we're going to be talking about today, this is going to be a little bit different podcast than you've heard. But I promise you, this is probably going to be the most important podcast that we will ever do or have ever done to this point. The subject matter today is going to be so profound that everybody needs to know what's really going on in this world. And we have an expert with us. Tiffany, would you like to introduce our expert? I really, I want to introduce Gina Bull from Texas. And she has 15 years in human trafficking. I cannot wait for her to share with us um, her experiences. We, um, Kyle and I just finished watching uh, Sound of Freedom. And oh my gosh, I mean, we all know, I mean, if you're a human and you're breathing, you, you know how bad human trafficking is. If you do not know and you are unaware and you've been living in a cave or you just keep yourself sheltered or just like to close your ears, eyes and mouth and pretend that you can walk through like an ostrich through life. That's great. But, um, go see the movie because it is a lot of awareness. Yes. So, um, I think there were several parts in the movie that really, that really shook both of us. Um, I know that um, Gina has seen him speak at many events. Kyle has already watched the podcast that he's doing. Um, I think there were several things in the movie that really shook me. And that was um, the cartel, the cartel guy that yeah. had well, been with that hooker. Right. Yeah. Well, real quick, Gina, can you tell us uh, about yourself and just, yeah. you know, uh, real quick about who you are and what you do and, and how you tie in and why we brought you on as our as an expert in this field right now? Sure. Expert. Wow. I am. Uh, that's a heavy title. <laughs> but uh, um, Well, I've, I've known Tiffany since I was, gosh, 14 years old. And uh, so we go way back. But a little bit about me. I'm a mom of four kids. I've been married to an amazing man for 25 years. Tiffany was there at my wedding and mm -hmm. uh, when our oldest son was born. And um, I'm like you said, I'm in Texas now, but uh, got started in human in anti-human trafficking about 15 years ago. So what got you into that? What started you going, hey, I just want to start, you know, freeing people from human trafficking? What? Because uh, you, you, you now educate, but at one point you were, you were seriously involved with the ugly. Um, we, my husband and I did a video, <laughs> but not that kind of video. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, uh, um, we, uh, I do everything based on my kids' ages. So, uh, 
don't even think that our third child had been born yet. And no, I, she had not because you didn't know. She you is number have four, her. but he number three had not been born yet either. Um, Tiffany, she's my favorite. Out. In case anybody needs side to know, out. yes, Tiffany yeah. prophesied that I was going to have a daughter when I was like, I'm done having kids. No, I think the uh. exact words were Toby said, "Stop saying we're having another kid." I'm not kidding. And I said, no, you have two daughters and two sons and you're telling me you only have three kids. Yes. And Gina goes, yes, that's true. We have, and she names Chase and Hudson and London. And I said, nope, there's another one. <laughs> and she goes, well, I have news for you, Tiffany. When I go home, I'm getting an IUD. <laughs> uh, she's 14. She's 13. She just turned 13. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just to let uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> But, if um, I see that you're pregnant, you're having a baby. Yeah. Well, don't see that because right now. Um, no, but, no, no. Dear God. Uh, no. But um, so I I think I was pregnant with baby three, whose name is Hudson. He's 16 now. And um, some friends of ours approached us and said, hey, do you know who Nick and Chris Kane are that ran A21? And Toby and I were like, well, yeah, of course. And they were like, great. Um, they're really wanting to get the word out more about what they're doing. Can you guys write, produce, and direct just like a bumper video and something that can really pull on the heartstrings to get people aware of human trafficking? And we were like, sure. At that time, literally all I had to go on was the UN like definition of human trafficking and all of their laws, which was like a book about this thick. So I just started reading through it because I thought if we're going to do this video, I got to know like what we're getting into. And the more I started reading it with all the legal jargon and stuff, I just was like, wow, if you're a victim that's brought over to the United States from a foreign country, you have a lot of resources handed to you. But if you are a victim within the United States, you are actually not a victim at that point. You're a prostitute or you know, you're out on the street and that's who you are and there's not a lot of things that are available to you. And um, so just in making these videos and like starting out and doing that is really kind of what opened the door for the idea and the, the knowledge of it. And I remember thinking, I would love to get involved with this. And I thought that it was just gonna be through media and through production because that's what my, my husband's background is in, you know, is, is media production. And, um, and you guys then, own a media production company. Yes. Yes, we do. For a living. Yeah. For a living. Yes. I'm more on the creative side. He's the technical person, you know, and so it worked out well because I was able to write and come up with what things were going to look like. And then, you know, go to, he took it from there. And so we did this. And the funny thing is, is I know it was given to them. I know they showed it. I know they played it. I never saw it played because I was always out doing something else whenever, you know, these videos were yeah. being shown. But um, it wasn't until probably a year later, I think, you know, Hudson had been born. He was about a year old. And um, somebody had said, hey, uh, can you do another video? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Would love to. And there's some transition that was going on, you know, with work. And I was trying to figure out, do I want to continue to work and mom three kids? What do I want to do? And really the Lord just opened up a door for me to step through um, into an organization there in Louisiana where we were living at the time to become their public awareness coordinator. 
And I thought it was going to be all media and we were going to do billboards and we were going to get awareness out there. We were going to have this amazing grant that we were going to work with. And when I said, yeah, I would love to do that. They were like, great. Tomorrow's your first meeting with the task force. And I went, I'm sorry, what? Right. Yeah. That's a little bit more of a serious <laughs> word. Task force. Yeah. I was like, um, cause those was, are the, those are the ones that are busting in places to get people. I was like, I, I just, you did. I just kind of want to, um, like create billboards <laughs> and, and, and talk to the press. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I, I think I went in the wrong door. I think. <laughs> yeah. I like. I think I kind of just want to. Um, and to what just, year was that? This what was, year was that? Uh, 2004. Wait, because it was born so in 2007. So this was 2007. Okay, 2007. Was, so that yeah. was still a few years. Before the events of the movie Sound of Freedom. Oh, yeah. Because what I learned, yeah, what I learned today, listened to a podcast um, with with Tim on it, was that it was 2013, 14-ish when all that stuff went down. And and one of the things that they said in the podcast, or maybe it was on the movie, that that there was five thousand percent increase in human trafficking at some point in time. Mm -hmm. And it's only getting bigger, right? Do you can right. you speak on can you speak on numbers at all? Like, let's talk have, about numbers. Sure, I have my uh, my cheat sheet here because it's a lot of numbers. And I it is. It's it's, and, <laughs> and and we all trust me when I tell you, folks, the numbers that you think you have in your head right now are yeah. way low, even yeah. if you're talking about millions. Yes, and mm -hmm. the thing too um, that's that um, I want people to understand is like I. Um, my my background so when it comes to to anti-trafficking there's the international side which tim right. did a lot of um and then there's the right. domestic and so my heart has always been domestic i've never done anything international okay. everything that i've done and i've worked with in is here in the united states like in the lower 48 united states that's where i have done stuff and from to break it down even more it's only been in texas and louisiana you right. know, those are my two, that's my bubble and that's my world. And so seeing like what we saw in these states, it's, it's happening everywhere. So, um, some of the, um, sorry, some of, let me pull up my statistics here really quick that I had, um, down is that you can, um, another really great resource too, and that people can tag onto is the Polaris project, um, is an amazing resource for all of these numbers, for all of this stuff. They've got my uh, resources here. They also have a really great, um, where you can call and you can report anonymously and you can send in um, text um, for, uh, for what it is that you're seeing. Cause our whole thing is like, if you see something, say something. Right, and we'll uh, put that information, we'll get that from you. We'll put great. that information below. Perfect. So um, in the current year that we are at, Polaris Project has handled um, the top types of trafficking as escort services. Okay. And I can speak a little bit to personally seeing what that looks like. Um, obviously, pornography is a big one, which a lot of people don't tie pornography to, to that. Um, they were looking at just here in the United States. Um, for escort services and victims of sex trafficking, we're looking at about 10,836 just to current from just this year, from January 
to this that's, year. And that's just in my state here in the state oh, of Texas. State. Just that Texas. doesn't include, yes. So when you go to Polaris, you can pull up your state and you can find out like in your state where you are and where you rank. Um, there are currently right now, don't quote me. Because we can add website. that, Kyle, right? We can add that website. We, absolutely. Okay. We'll be able to add yeah. that. And one of, one of the things that I heard today was that, that someone thought it was, you know, a couple of million. Mm -hmm. um, they know of 6 million are yes. actually like worldwide. Worldwide, and yeah. actually more like probably more like 12 million yeah i think 12 million is probably the closer count to it world 12 worldwide. million 12 and million. you have to look at that too because you know sex trafficking and labor trafficking both you know and being in louisiana i caught cases that were both labor and that were sex trafficking here in right. texas i only dealt with you know the sex trafficking um, issues that were here. And, but if you combine both of those, I feel like you're probably going to be over worldwide over the 12 million mark if you're combining sex and labor trafficking together. And unfortunately, a lot of times, especially over in maybe a third world country, your labor trafficking does bleed into that sex trafficking part of things as well. I, I would like to also have you highlight, um, so many people, I mean, people I talk to every day do not understand the amount of people that are stolen in this country because when it's a runaway that is stolen, they do not report it, mark it, talk about it on the news. There's no coverage, nothing. People don't realize it's, it's thousands upon thousands in every state that are taken Yes. And um, can you highlight that and, and get into sure. that a little bit for them? So that we, there are several different ways that people can get caught up in sex trafficking. Um, when I was living in Louisiana, familial trafficking was one of those things. And it's very unfortunate, but it's where family members traffic other family members. And usually those other family members are children. And it is based on usually drug use. So somebody in the family is pimping out a child in order to support a drug or alcohol habit. And so there was a lot of family trafficking, um, but also runaways play a part in it. And let's just be honest, our foster care system is incredibly broken. And so a lot of traffic victims <laughs> come through the foster care system. And that will be coming up. We will be doing an episode <laughs> on that soon. Yes. So speaking to family trafficking and in Louisiana, especially one of the things that we really try to do is to work with the public schools there to say, hey, Rather than call somebody at the end of the day to say that your child was truant or was absent or didn't show up when they were supposed to or they missed a class, those phone calls need to be made as soon as attendance is handed in and you're immediately calling. And then you're And they're up. not. Well, they've changed it to where I don't know about, I mean, here in Texas, yes, my kids, they miss something. I don't get a phone call till the evening. But in there in Baton Rouge, in the Baton Rouge area, um, in the 225 area is what we call it. We were able to get schools on board to begin starting those truancy phone calls like immediately to say, hey, your kid's not in school, your kid's not in school. And then really encouraging the teachers and the administration to step in and to, um, to really keep track of who isn't here because, you know, that is a red flag. Like, are they missing multiple, multiple classes multiple times? So you have your family trafficking. 
Um, a lot of times people think that also human trafficking is this white, creepy 1980s van driving down the road, just snatching kids up off the street. And it's not like that. It is more grooming that is taking place. So here in Texas, especially where I am, there's an area um, that is very heavily gay um, populated and grooming is a huge thing in that area. So what is it? Rooming? Grooming. Like they're grooming, grooming oh. their victims. They'll, yeah, groom, okay. they'll groom an entire, like traffickers will groom an entire community. And you, you're like, how does, how does that happen? And it's like, well, let's take these communities where they don't have a lot of resources. Maybe they're more of a food desert. Kids are not getting their daily needs met. Just simple daily basic needs of like food, yeah. shelter, clothing, love and attention. Right. And so right. a trafficker will come in and they'll start providing things. Here's a bag of McDonald's to like the entire street. Here's, here's, you know, some clothes, here's this, here's that. And so they're taking care of the entire neighborhood, but they're honing in on just that one person. So by the time that the nanas who are watching out their mini blinds and don't like anybody that's on their street, they're seeing that they're taking care of all the people they're, they're almost being blinded to the fact that this one or two particular kiddos are being paid extra special attention to. And so then by that time, the community has been groomed to accept this person as a really good person. And when somebody questions it and says, why is that guy talking to that 10 year old? No, no, no. He's part of the community. He helps people, Yes, you know, and then they can just bring them right in and say, yeah, we yeah. have this clubhouse. No, it's, and then yeah. the kids probably don't, realize they're being sex trafficked even while it's happening right most victims don't even realize that they are being sex trafficked so you have that grooming there um a real pivotal point i know for me was we lived through hurricane katrina and when those levees broke and new orleans went underwater baton rouge grew by hundreds of thousands of people overnight right. And we were part of those relief efforts for everybody that was coming in from New Orleans. And one of the things that um, had been found out is, and that we were told is that um, when families were separated during that time, people had posed as FEMA workers and were going in and telling family members, we found your family in Houston, we found your family in Florida, you know, they were being right. split up on that I-10, I-12 corridor and I've driven that and you can as long as you're under the speed limit you're not going to see a cop for miles and miles and miles so it's easy to transport and they they weren't there they were just being trafficked across state lines right. at that point well and that's that's I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something else that it was you know I'll admit that I've even with some training in the past for my profession um, it's been one of those things where recently there's more and more uh like really detailed stuff like that so natural disasters is a natural place that sex traffickers know to go and get because people are missed you know families are are mm -hmm. split apart maybe even like in in third world countries like when we had those earthquakes they they right. they flocked to that area the sex traffickers the the kingpins if you will flocked to that area because there were actual kids that had parents dying that they were mm -hmm. they would just snatch them up crying over their dead parents in the streets so or wandering you know yeah. so so those were when numbers go up tremendously because they target those those down ticks in in natural history or natural disasters and they and they know yeah. and they're they're groomed to do that 
Exactly. So. And, um, and, and the thing too, is like, in sitting and like actually talking with traffickers, um, they're smart. And I've had one tell me, well, you, know, you, you did let's, let's point out that when you say talking, you actually would have a way you searched out who was being trafficked. Mm -hmm. You would give them a card, right. And say, I like your hair. Like I want to, I yeah. want to get into that too, because you actually sure. did do that. Yeah. Sure. Um, so yeah, traffickers are smart. Some, there were some that were like busted and they're like, why are you busting me? And it's like, because weirdo, you tattooed your name on like 12 girls. Like, how do we not know that you weren't <laughs> this person, you know? And yeah. so, um, so one of the, one of the lanes that I, I ran in was victim identification. And one of the ways that we did that is that it was just through, it was through research and saying, where are the homeless shelters in our area, where is the, um, the, the long corridor where, you know, all of the games are being played and where the sports teams are, whether they're college or, you know, professional, where do those motels that are paid by the hour, where, where is that strip? Where do those places, um, you know, operate and then, um, finding, out where, especially here in Texas, where was the game controlled? And stop six is the area where, you know, people are like, I can't believe you went down there. And I'm like, when you just, when you have the grace and the call on you to do that, it's like, you're not an idiot. Like I didn't go down there unprotected and I wasn't in those areas just rogue. And, you know, we can get into that a little bit too about wisdom with that. But one of the things that um, we did was one, and it sounds so weird, but it was developing a relationship with those motel owners where on Fridays during the day, going down for months at a time and just saying, hey, um, we want to help families that might show up here that could possibly be homeless. Is it okay if I come back, you know, tonight and Saturday night and offer food or things like that to them? And at first, some of them were like, no. You can't, but then others were like, yeah, that's fine. And they would tell me where actually legitimate families were living. And so one of the things that we did is we would just load up and we took donations of peanut butter and jelly and bread and powdered milk. And, you know, I, we kept diapers in the back of the vehicle and me and our, and the other, and the team members would go to these motels and we would just knock on the door and say, hi, we're here. Um, with an outreach, we didn't say we were with the church because we weren't, but we also didn't say that we were an anti-trafficking organization because yeah. we weren't, because we were, yeah. but we not, and yeah. we have free groceries. Does anybody want them? And getting them to open the door is that first step, because if you can give me 15, 20 seconds to put my eyes in that room, to scan it, to see, I can say, okay, family that definitely needs this, but more times than not, the door would open and there would be a girl sitting on the bed or two or three girls sitting on a bed that looked underage and there would be a couple of guys in those rooms. And so giving them the groceries, but also saying, oh, I see you, you, you know, you have some girls, would you ladies like, you know, some toiletries? And within that was the um, card that says, you know, we offer free haircuts. If you would like help, please call, you know, or if you um, need food assistance, please call. And it's that hotline number that they were able to call. But then walking out, I was connected with another group who I was able to take pictures of the cars, the license plates, and um, immediately upload descriptions 
uh, what hotel motel I was at, what the first, what the perpetrator looked like and what the girls looked like and get that directly to law. And then they would, they would do that. And you would actually also go in with them for the sting. So I, I would wait, but I didn't go in just because like, I know what my lane is. And so I was like, right, I'm right. Gun, cause I'm probably going to shoot. <laughs> Amen. I I said that to you. I'm like, why are these people walking out of the room? We talked about that before and you, you had to pray about it for a moment because it it does, it does something to you. But also at the same time, the craziest thing that, that ever happened is that I went to a regular hotel that we go, that we would go to every, every single Friday night. I mean, without fail. And the drug dealers ran the corner room at this motel. Like they ran it and they, they, <laughs> he, the lead guy, like he knew what we were doing. He knew what I was doing. Oh. He saw me putting in the information, you know, and I just thought, dear Lord, one day he's going to be like, you're riding on me and I'm going to, but he actually, when I would show up, he'd like, Hey, come here, come here, church lady. And I'm like, I'm not with the church. He's like, whatever. <laughs> He's like, come here. I'm like, what? He's like, that room over there. I saw him go in. So the drug dealers literally started telling me like what room the traffickers were in. And I was like, well, because they were in their lane, right? Like they were in their lane. Yeah. I love that. They were like, I want to sell drugs, but I certainly don't want to rape kids. Yeah. Bastard over there. Yeah. I get it. Well, and remember what, what did they say in that movie? And back in the Sound of, Fre- of Freedom movie, yeah. they said that this is this is worse than drug epidemic. This is yeah. worse. Now, yeah. now we know we've been saying no to drugs and all of the millions and billions of dollars that come into this country on drugs. Right. Yeah. The reason why they said this and this, I mean, Tiffany oh. and I, we get chills just thinking about it. I'm going to say it out loud. Go ahead, what they said in the movie was it was it was the bone chilling. Yeah. This is what the movie made me think that that's the scariest movie I've ever seen. And, and yeah, I've we seen both agreed. Bad it was, yeah. We didn't bring so, enough tissues. Right. So basically what they said was the drug dealers are basically, you can sell one bag of cocaine mm-hmm. once, but you can sell a child five to 15 times a day for the yes. same amount of money. Yes. And they that's said for a day, what, 10 years. Yeah. For 10, for 10 years. years. Yes. And that's the thing when in talking with these traffickers is it's like they – they told me that if they felt like somebody was going to bring them money, they were willing to invest. And it would, if they had to groom for six months, they were okay with that because they knew that they were going to make all that money back. If, if what person. was going to happen in six if, months? If they, if they would take, if it took them six months to groom somebody and to get them into, you know, where they were pliable and where they could traffic them, they were willing to invest six months because they knew that their return on the investment was going to be worth it. So they were willing to, to wait it out and to do what they needed to do. If they felt like this person was going to make them enough money. Um, Evils come in different ways and people want to give the cartel a really, a really bad lip all the time. But that guy was a cartel dealer Mm -hmm. and he was, he was part of the cartel. He went to prison. He's in the movie and the, Kyle and I talked about this. I think I mentioned it to you beforehand. And he said he got went came out of prison. He went back doing his same thing, right? Hookers selling drugs, no big deal. And the hooker came in, and when he was done, he looked down at her toes, and there were kittens on her toes. And he said he realized she was not twenty four. And he looked her in the eyes, and he found out she had been doing this since she was six, and she was only fourteen. Mm-hmm. And he said it was like something in her soul connected and he was going to kill himself. 
Right, Kyle? Right. right. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Tell he, said, he was going to put the gun. Go ahead, So Kyle. basically, this is in the movie, and yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, but he says, and he gets, and it's probably one of the most bone-chilling yeah. scenes. It's and horrible. he says, listen, I was ready to kill myself because I am not that kind of guy. He goes- Drug then, dealer, but not a pedophile. Right. Yeah. He goes, so right when I started pulling the trigger, he said, God spoke to me, and when God speaks to you, you do what he says, period. Right. So he didn't kill himself, and then he went in in that in that Columbia area and started buying. Yeah. I guess he yeah. had to have he had to have posed as a buyer yeah. and then buy lots of girls. They so the and then get them off the street, but then mm -hmm. put them someplace well. Well, the hard part with the halfway houses and Gina knows about this because I'm sure they've been. I know for a fact she knows about it. Um, not all the halfway houses, the people who run them, don't even know what's going on. They right. are sometimes using them as a way to funnel. They get caught, they get released, put them in a halfway house, and they're being used to funnel them back into sex trafficking. For and some, they, yes. the people running it don't know the safe, the safe houses that because nobody can know where they're going after they leave. Mm -hmm. So and, yeah. nobody knows what's going on it's it's horrible so so here's a question for you and this is this is i guess where it could get a little not controversial but um that many would argue to truly address you know, human trafficking we focus on demand and not like yeah. so what do you guys like are they also trying to track crack down on the demand like the people that are actually doing the buying at the end the Johns, I guess, if you will? Sure. In certain states, yes. And so, um, you know, and, and this is what I've, I've told people before that get into this. Um, human trafficking is this really big highway. I mean, it's bigger than anything you've ever driven in LA or in Texas, you know, where we've got eight lanes across on both sides. It is this massive highway, but you have to pick the lane and choose the lane that you want to be in in order to help you know, combat this. We need people in the lanes of social justice because in some states, yes, there are John laws where they are being um, prosecuted, but in a lot of, a lot of times um, it is fines that, that is happening because another thing too is to understand is that human trafficking isn't just children. There Correct. are also women yeah. and even men that right. are, that yes. right. roped yeah. into this, Absolutely. you know? And so yeah. I think, for a lot of people, sometimes they're like, and that's where the issue comes in is like, you know, I'm going to, and they're not somebody. model. They're not model looking people. These are they're normal, overweight, normal. regular people. Yeah. yeah. These because women, they're also, yes. they're also and, trafficked for jobs, jobs you know, where yes. they get blackmailed from their employer, giving them yes. special treatment and be like, well, you owe me another two months because I put you up in this house. Yes. And that's, and then they just always find the one next, the one next, yeah, the, one the one next, next thing to, one, to put them down. Yeah. And so um, when it comes to labor trafficking and forced servitude, I feel like, you know, and I'm not a legal expert on that side, um, that's a little bit easier to prove um, that you have forced somebody into forced servitude. You have re removed their passports from them. You've kept them there. Right. They have lived in horrible living conditions. You haven't paid them. You've coerced them to stay. And so the, the penalties on that are, you know, it's easier. That is more of a it's just an easier thing to identify when it comes to sex trafficking. It's like, yes, for children, we know that wherever, whatever state you're in, whatever state says at this age, they are not able to even consent to sex. Then we know that that is automatically sex trafficking. Like right. they weren't able to consent with sex 
so with this person, so they were either stat is either statutory rape or you trafficked them to somebody else like like that. Whenever you hit that time when they start to age out of that and they turn 18, 19, 20 years old and they're still being trafficked, then and that's where for whatever reason the waters get muddy because it's like it turns into, well, they're prostitutes. And it's like, I mean, sure, some of them do turn to prostitution because all they've known. Like if all you know to do is paint a house when you're, you know, it's from the age yeah. six yeah. to 18, then when you turn 19, all you're going to know to do is to paint a house in right. order to survive. And so um, it is a little bit harder to define that. And the thing that we've got to get away from is prosecuting the um, people that are trafficked. Because it used to be back in the day, you would pick up a girl who was being trafficked and you would charge her with prostitution thinking in the goodness and kindness of police department's hearts, I'm getting, at least I'm getting her off the street. I'm getting her away from her pimp for the night. I'm giving her a place to stay and um, where she's not gonna be beat and she doesn't have to do this. Not realizing that you're removing her livelihood from her and she's gonna right. have to make up twice that amount and probably be beat mm -hmm. in the meantime because you know they wanna know what did you say. And remembering too, that people do not self-identify as human traffic victims. Please tune in to the second part of Gina Bowles' riveting interview.